Ian Collins wants a word. Powered by the Mitsubishi ASX. Don't let winter put you on the skids. I know you wouldn't, would you? You wouldn't think it. And that doesn't actually include a full waxing. Ian Collins wants a word. Well, blow me sideways and call me Doreen. If it isn't, show four. That's like a month of programmes already. Big smiles all round as we celebrate this fact with a sherbet fountain and a bag of fangs for all. Despite all of this, some doubting Thomas actually started a Facebook page saying that this podcast has all the merits of the Doom TV show that was El Dorado. How dare you! El Dorado was awful! Low production values, zero sense of direction and no discernible talent. Actually, do you know what, Kev? They might have a point. Sign us up for that Facebook page! Busy is our middle name, of course. We are chocker here, as bunged as Ed Miliband's nasal cavity. We've got a bit of this. My name's Nigel Hampton. Yes. And a bit of this. There's no intelligence test for getting someone up the duff, but if you want a dog, you've got to <laughs> sign all these forms. And, of course, some of this. Theodore Geisel. Geisel face. The Geiselator. Well, move over, darling, for this is exec producer, Sideshow Kev. Hurrah. Hurrah. Hey. How are you, Kev? I'm all right. Have you got the questions? I do. Uh, from Nikki Clark on Facebook. Ian, do you still live in Bromley, and is it true you used to be a northerner? Well, yes and yes is the, uh, is, is, I suppose, is the answer to that. You can't, you used to be a northerner. You, 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 you are, can you be an ex-northerner? I, it depends. You have to renounce it or something. You can, yes, you have to renounce your northerners. Well, I was born in the north, I was born in Scunthorpe. So, yes, I did have a northern accent up to the age of... Why is that funny? Too easy. But it's, it's too much too easy. Yes, I did put the sun in Scunthorpe, everybody. And I do still live in Bromley. It is the, do you know what I saw in Bromley? The other, this happened just about a week after Christmas. And it, in Bromley High Street, somebody out of nowhere just shouts out, Tossa! Now, <laughs> when you shout Tossa in Bromley High Street, it's surprising how many heads turn yeah, around. I was say. It is actually like a kind of Spartacus moment. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, mate. I think you'll find it's me. Who's talking to you? <laughs> Are you sure about that? I think I, I finally found he was talking to me. Uh, so that all kind of goes on, and um, this fella goes up to a guy and just goes, "Have some respect, mate." And this bloke turns around and says, "You know, he, he doesn't have a clue what's what's going on." And apparently, what had happened, from what I could gauge, because by this time there's a, a little bit of a crowd, of course. and uh, I think one guy had let a door slam accidentally. Uh, on another guy who was carrying his coffee in a paper cup and the coffee had oh. spilled over his shirt. Oh. And because he'd felt the other fella hadn't acknowledged this, he decided only in Bromley, the language of Bromley, you know, what's, what's, how do we, here, how do we deal with, here, tangerine, how do we deal with, this is what the, the etiquette gotcha. for this. And clearly the etiquette is to go down Bromley High Street and shout, Tossa. He could have been. Most people would have just gone constable or officer, but he decided to go for that one. Well, yeah, fair play. There you go. Uh, next question. Shaggy via Facebook. Oh, yes. Ian, 45 minutes is too short. Any chance of making the podcast four hours? <laughs> well, there's a whole load of theories on how long you have a podcast for, but it's, it does seem to be that we are longer than many. And shorter than some. True. Mick, permanently on the M1, have you been affected by government cutbacks? No. And the only thing I've been affected by, like everybody else has been affected by... Let's have a little rant on this, by the way. Can we just lose this narrative that is, frankly, being fuelled by all manner of self-appointed bots who turn up unchallenged on the media 
who tell us that every single man and woman and child in this country is affected by every single government cut or rejigging of some kind of benefit or some sort. Most people are not affected. Most people are not affected. Some people will be affected, and that if you are affected by something, that is great. Most people will not be affected, and even if people are affected, they will probably be affected by one element of it. Mm. But a kind of narrative is that everybody is... Oh, it's terrible out there. There was a statistic the other day that in Lewisham, which is... Uh, believe me, I wouldn't wish living in Lewisham on anybody. But Lewisham is a place in South London. And apparently that's where more people are going for any one job than anywhere else. Apparently 100 people for every job. And this is terrible. And this isn't good. And blimey, you know, if you're in that position looking for the job, that's, that's pretty grim. However, three years ago, it was like 93 people we're going for that job. It's not actually that different. It's not massively different. And I was reading today that cinema audiences last year were the record amount of audiences in the country. Repossessions are lower than they were in 2008. And interest rates are still at an all-time low. Now, that doesn't mean to say that nobody's having a hard time, but this idea that suddenly, out of nowhere, everybody in the whole country is... You know, 93.2% of people who can work, are working. That's a pretty good innings. That's mm-hmm. more or less the same as it always is. So, fair, you know, a, a grim scenario if you are affected, but let's just lose the myth that every single person, and most of the people doing the moaning about the affecting of the cuts are not affected themselves either. Are you done? I've done. Effie via Twitter says, Stop it. Ian, I don't have a computer or a smartphone. Can you send me the podcast on CD? Yeah, I'll do that. What I'll do after the show's finished, I'll just uh, get into the other studio and I'll burn up a couple. Do you want one for your mum or your dad? Oh, no, you probably haven't got a mum or a dad, have you? Bit harsh. Purple Ronnie via Facebook says, Ian, I like pie. Do you like pie? Anymore? I do, actually. Um, I'd have to say... The minced beef and onion is probably the best. Where do you stand on cottage pie? Don't like it. Why? But then you're weird. It's got potato, and you're weird about potatoes, and yeah. particularly chips. I don't like shep. Well, I don't. I don't mind shepherd's pie, but it's just there is a story, isn't there? Why one's got a cottage pie, and one's got a shepherd's pie. One has beef, one has lamb. Is that true? I thought it was something to do with the shepherds. I think it's minced shepherd. <laughs> From Denny the Brave in Switzerland on fax. Sorry, email. Uh, Ian. Fax! Do you remember the... Um... Oh, don't. Ian, what is your fact? <laughs> what is your fact? I just remembered that. Yeah. Fact! But it wasn't that that I was thinking of at first. I was thinking what I was thinking of. Do you remember the that cranky old fax machine we used to have in the I do, old yeah. studio? Yeah. Wow. We had to turn all microphones off. It was like somebody just started digging up Oxford Street <laughs> when that kicked in. It was huge. In fairness, Oxford Street was being dug up most True of the enough. time as well. Anyway, what does Denny the Brave say? Denny the Brave says, Ian, what's your favourite box set and yeah. what are you watching now? Now, that could be two different questions or it could be the same question. Ooh, it, well, it's sort of the same question. Well, uh, no. Okay, nothing can beat The Sopranos. It's the best piece of television ever made. I know a lot of people proffer that answer, but it does royally trump anything else in that kind of genre. When I say genre, I don't mean gangster genre. I mean the genre of big drama, box sets, often HBO kind of offerings, although Fox, of course, and others do drop in there as well and pepper their own ideas on that. But if you think of The Sopranos, you think of Six Feet Under, you think of Breaking Bad, you think of 24 as the obvious candidates. Breaking Bad is the one I've just finished watching. It is stunning. It is superb. Brian Cranston is brilliant. It's massively underrated. You have to watch it. The other point, which we did touch on a couple of weeks ago, 
was that British television stopped trying to emulate those big dramas because you never pull them off. You look, frankly, ridiculous. It just looks all wrong. There's a massive difference between seeing somebody in the United States, uh, a Jack Bauer character, finding a TV screen on his palm where he's able to speak to people who are in an underground basement in the White House. It just doesn't look right when a bloke tries to do the same walking up Tottenham Court Road. (laughs) It just looks crap. Kev, you give us one. I'm very late to the West Wing. And the other thing, which if you haven't seen, you have to see, is The Walking Dead, which is just hear about an amazing piece of television. Great. Awesome. Ian Collins wants a word. I think you know the drill on this one by now. These are those random acts of irrational annoyances, the things that just give you the chronic ache, really. They send your head into a massive 360 spin. They do your brain in. They don't really matter. I mean, they're not kind of deal-breakers. Nobody dies. Nobody gets hurt. But nonetheless, in the most unqualified manner, they do drive you royally nuts. They are random acts of irrational annoyance. And I've got a beauty that happened just this week. It's, I, I reckon there's a disproportionate amount of stories I've ever told on the radio that come out of the sauna. Now, I have to qualify this, first of all. Please. The sauna is in a gym. All right? This is a family gym. Right. And there's a swimming pool. And right next to the swimming pool, the family swimming pool, is a sauna. And it's... A, the idea is you get it. It's not really for kids, because kids shouldn't go in the heat. Uh, but it is a, a mixed sauna, and it's got a big glass front, so it's not some dingy thing tucked away somewhere where odd activities go on it's not that kind of it's a normal sauna anyway so i go in there just a couple of days ago and there's about four or five other people this sauna is about i suppose 14 foot by eight foot and then suddenly one guy stands up and starts to do what i suppose can only be described as some kind of solo aerobics with a contortionist's twist oh oh but in the sauna so Everyone's looking at this. This guy is stretching. You know, it's like Mr. Elastic. Uh-huh. At what, I kid you, at what, this guy is stretching all over the place. So he's doing the touch the toes and everything, and his head's going behind his leg. Uh. And at one point, I swear, his head almost went up his own arms. <laughs> it was that kind of... Now, the trouble with that, there's a couple of problems with that. One, it's a sauna. It's a place of relaxation. If you see somebody start to get energetic... It, frankly, doesn't make you feel very relaxed. No, it puts, it puts you off your stroke. It does a bit, so, so to speak. As I said, it's not it that a sauna. Kind of sauna. But nonetheless, what, but what I found out, at what point would an individual think that was okay in such a small, tiny, confined room in front of half a dozen other people? Very odd. It was incredibly strange. But there you go. Kev! Keep calm and carry on. Now, when this poster, the wartime poster, first appeared, you know, in, I'm guessing, the war, it meant something. And then a few years ago, it was rediscovered as a little bit of a jape and a little bit of a joke. So it's been on posters and T-shirts and table mats and food. I'm here to say it's over. It's done. We got the joke. It has to end. We have to stop it. So I've got a slogan for you. Stop it and fuck off. This machine out again. It's amazing, isn't it? Kevin Bridges. I don't know if it's Kevin Bridges, the comedian. It might well be. He says his random act of Russian lawns are people who carry their mobile phones attached to their belt. True. That is That does happen quite a lot. But you used to have to because you couldn't put them in your pocket because they were too they big. They were a bit big. But unless you're a policeman, a security guard, or a member of Her Majesty's Armed Forces, please don't do it because it's, there are still people who like to do that. It also happens with Bluetooth headsets. Mm-hmm. And you know, I see where you notice it. Sunday morning in Comet. There's always a bloke, <laughs> there's always a man solo shopping with a massive bunch of keys on his belt 
and an over-ambitious Bluetooth headset walking <laughs> around the place. What's he trying to do, guide in a tomahawk? <laughs> What's happening? Only <laughs> that to buy a DVD, mate. Uh, Chris Fitzgerald says, Ignorant people holding my tube train doors open to stop the train leaving when I'm carrying a thousand people. Yeah. So, he's, Chris is obviously a tube driver. I so. see that. Uh, <laughs> I see that an awful lot, where somebody goes, Yeah, I'm just waiting for my mate, right? And the mate's, like, in a different borough. <laughs> Is he, is he coming soon? Yeah, be here in a moment, driver. <laughs> Don't worry. Uh, Gerard Kelly. What? Says asses who say not dissimilar to. Similar will do. <laughs> yes. Idiots. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, why do people say that? Not just say similar. Mark Middleton. Uh, I've got loads. He says captive market ripoffs like motorway services, football grounds, cross-channel ferries, and the Theatre Royal, where I'm typing this from. Right. Fair dude. I do agree with the motorway service thing. It's very difficult to Cheaper justify... Cheaper to eat the money. Yeah, very difficult to justify £10 for an egg sandwich, isn't it? It's extraordinary. Yeah. But the only way around that is if everybody stopped buying. But if people stopped buying, would they put their prices up or down? They put them down initially to get you back and then put them up again to yeah. punish you. There's a, I mean, the breakfast in there, because they always go, you can have seven pieces for £15.80. <laughs> yes! It's like, hang on a second, in Roy's Rolls on Corrie, it's £2.20 for about 19 pieces. Oh, Roy... Michael Ward says, being served a large latte precariously balanced on a completely superfluous small saucer. Yeah. That happens in a lot of those coffee parlours now. Here's a massive bucket of coffee, and we're going to stick it on essentially a table mat for you. Yep. Try carrying that. Uh, this one comes in from Danny Gould. He says, when you have a trolley load of shopping and the checkout girl says, would you require any bags? Yes, I'm going to balance it on my head, love. <laughs> there we are. Uh, they're random acts of a rational annoyance, everybody. You can send those to us at Ian Collins UK on Twitter. Thank you. Don't let winter stop you in your tracks. The Mitsubishi ASX comes with active stability and traction control, on-demand four-wheel drive, hill start assist, and Mitsubishi's legendary reliability. For more information, search for Mitsubishi cars. Be safe, not sorry, this winter. Sideshow Kev's Showbiz Shoebox. There she is again. That feature I thought was never ever going to return, but uh, clearly somehow it's got into the edit. Right, and your solicitor has spoken to you about this, yeah. so I'm going to suggest that you just move along. What have you got, Kev? It's Sideshow Kev Showbiz Shoebox. Yeah. Bits of showbiz fluff we found in a shoebox under the bed. Cool. And this week we are doing yeah. the top ten earning dead celebrities over the past 14 months. You don't even have to take part if you don't want to. No, you can you just don't. sit there because I know I've yeah, heard your yeah, complaints. Yeah. I, I'm just going to tell you. I'm going to run down the 10 yes. in chart fashion. Okay. Andre, get me some top 10 earning dead celebrity music on, will you? Number 10 then. Yep. George Harrison made $6 million. That's a lot of money for since a dead he, beetle, isn't Since it? he died. Yeah. Six mil. Well, just last year. Okay. When yeah. he was dead. Well, it's just, there's a documentary about him, isn't there? Well, he was in that band, wasn't he? Well, yeah, he was in quite a big band. Travelling Wilburys. <laughs> uh, wife-beating druggie Steve McQueen is at a joint uh, number nine, who made seven million, which is pretty amazing. And I'm not in... I must, what would that have been? You know, last week we were talking about celebrity endorsements. Yeah. Steve McQueen barbed wire. You right. would buy that in being you. 
Also at number nine, uh, noted vomit sipper Jimi Hendrix made seven million dollars. Loved a glass. Which is nice. Yeah, and I can only assume that's through ringtones. Uh, number nine, Stig Larsson oh, made yeah. seven million dollars. Do you know who that is? Uh, he's the guy with the checkbook in his pocket. That's the guy. Yeah. Uh, number eight, Theodore Geisel. Who's Theodore Geisel? Geisel face. What's, no, what's, what's the, the Geiselator? The Geisel, yeah. Theodore Geisel. He's not the fella on Dragon's Den, is he? No. Uh, go on. Uh, Dr. Seuss. Is that right? Yeah, he made $9 million. Well, he's always going to make a lot of mil. I've got a little sample, actually, I mean, if you'd like to hear yeah, it. I love the kind of thing yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah. I'll dance and I'll sing, said the cat with a grin, while wearing my hat. On my head, it does sit. And without a doubt, the thought in my mind is that Vernon Kay is a bit of a tit. That's nine million quid right there. Number seven, Albert Einstein made ten million dollars. Do you know why? It's going to be something stupid, like uh, that record, Einstein a go go. (laughs) Einstein a go go. (laughs) That somehow had to seek permission from his family. Uh, What what happened? Yeah, but twenty-five years too late. It's something. It's not what you think it would be. Is probably not. But what it actually is is baby Einstein products, DVD things to make your baby clever Uh, by by showing them. They sell incredibly well. Okay. Number five, yes. two, two people are number five. Uh, plastic Ono band frontman John Lennon made $12 million, um, as did Elizabeth Taylor, which is nice. Number four, the dick who gave us Snoopy, Charles Schultz, made $25 uh, million. $25 mil. It's extraordinary, isn't it? Out of the world's worst cartoon. Good grief. 21st century perfume shifter Marilyn Monroe made $27 million. Extraordinary. Have you seen that advert with her? And yeah. she's sort of like, it's just an odd one, isn't you it? You've seen the Lynx commercial? That's got some kind of Cameron-esque, I don't mean David, I mean James, type paw prints all over it. It's huge. But do you think David Cameron uses Lynx? Like Lynx Africa or something? He probably does. He looks like he does. Stood next to Gordon Brown once. Really? He definitely doesn't use Lynx. Move on. Number two, he couldn't shit, but he had the hits. Elvis Presley made $55 million, uh-huh. which is a lot of wedge. Never do that again. And who do you think was number one? Number one, was, it's got to be Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson. The Prince of Propofol made $170 million. There you go, everybody. And they're all dead. Sideshow Kev's showbiz shoebox of joy. So we have coming up comedian John Maloney's going with us. John Maloney! He's going with us a little bit later on. Ian Collins wants a word. Voicemail roulette. Please leave a message. Now, so here it is. It's voicemail roulette. Uh, this is your chance to win £50 by leaving the best message on our voicemail. It's 07789 183262. And you can moan or whinge or rant or just ask a question or give an opinion or a view. It doesn't matter. Start a debate. We don't care. Dead simple. Kev, have you got the gubbins? Yes, I do. Let's hit the first one. Here we go. Hello, my name's Johnny Arison Farzan. I'm watching Emmanuel... Carry On is the worst Carry On film ever. Big up to Kev the Wonder Sheep. Actually, no, Carry On films... Uh, thank you for that, by the way. Uh, it's kind of funny, Carry On films. Every now and again, I mean, I do like to sort of watch the first few moments because you always know you're going to get a Doctor Screw It or a mm. Mr Bigger yeah. that can't fail to make any male laugh at least for a, for, for a few moments. Yeah. But then you do sort of realise as you get a bit older that... That's they, it. They aren't really that funny. That is it. Although there is something about them that is sort of romantic. There is, it's only when you start reading the books and the stories behind them, or it's the Barbara Windsors and the Sid James and the Kenneth Williams, and you know these people were paid very little money. They they had the they were recognised like Hollywood A-listers were recognised, but they were paid five hundred quid a time to make a film. But even back then, it wasn't enough to buy you the 
at least a little bit of privacy. So they were living on all manner of sort of standard housing estates, but had the, if you like, the profile of Elizabeth Taylor. It was extraordinary injustice on them, but there you go. Mm. Uh, And and that side of things I find quite fascinating. Favourite carry-on? I don't know, really. Uh, Carry-on dick, probably. (laughs) See, you laughed. (laughs) Same thing happened. Can't help it. (laughs) Here's uh, another one. Hi, Ian. It's uh, Mark in Coventry. Uh, I want to know what you think about Ed and David Miliband, those millionaires. Cheers. Bye. Uh, Well, thank you, Mark. It's a very good question. You know, I like a little bit of challenge and my really? honest answer yeah I do and uh, I think the answer quite simply is they're <laughs> Kev can you hit that button again hang on a sec there we go oh I see I see. yes I, uh, my name's uh, Nigel Hampton yes I'm, I'm an English gentleman I'm a long time fan of the show you see and uh, I remember listening to you chaps back on talk radio back in the day and you know what I, I remember that Canadian guy who used to be on he was he was good I thought and I was wondering why you haven't got him on this podcast because he was sure spiff it up in there anyway t- signing off looking forward to hearing that soon bye yeah, hang on a second. are you smelling rats smell a Canadian rat yeah uh, here's another Hi there, Ian. It's Andy Wallace here. What's ET short for? He's got wee legs. That's the ET guy, oh, Kev. We love the ET Hang guy. Yeah, let's have another on voicemail roulette, Kev. Hi, Ian. Just want to say, really, really love the show. Uh, fantastic podcast, mate. I'd say the best broadcaster in the country, without any doubt. I've heard nearly everybody, and you're probably, you are the best. Uh, thank you. Take care. Hey, you see, that's the kind of quality caller that we want calling us Wait on a, a regular minute. basis. Oh, double seven eight nine eighteen thirty two sixty two. It's voicemail roulette. Wrong. We love this feature. Ian Collins wants a word. Yay! Good evening, everybody. I'm John Maloney, and yes, I have genuinely been mistaken for a lesbian. <laughs> from London whenever I go abroad people always ask me what I think of the royal family people say they will never be Queen Camilla I'll tell you why it sounds medical sounds like like some kind of thrush type infection doesn't it you're right Tracy now I've got Queen Camilla again when I was 14 my mother caught me masturbating that was very embarrassing thankfully she was quite understanding also when I was 14 my dad caught me smoking cigarettes and he made me smoke 20 in a row and I thought well thank god it wasn't him who caught me masturbating please welcome back John Maloney. And yes, here he is, Mr. John Maloney, everybody. Hurrah! How are you? You right? Yeah, I'm good, John. How are you? Yeah, yeah, tickety-boo. What? Widely described as uh, one of the busiest stand-up comedians in the country. Well, yeah, yeah, because uh, cause I'm cheap, you see. So, because I'm cheap, ah, stop I, I, it. I, go, I go all over the place. Now, but you've been busy for a long, long time, because you're, you know, not only, obviously, in this country, but... Yeah. Travel around. Comedy festivals in Canada, Australia, yeah. all over the world, doing a lot of stuff in India at the moment, because yeah. India's become a really big... There's a comedy store in India now, isn't there? Yeah, and I think there's other interested parties opening up other clubs around the other major cities as well. Is that right? Yeah. You're saying other comedy clubs are available? Yes, that's right. You know, um, But the, the one in Mumbai, which I've played a few times, yeah. is, is absolutely fantastic. And I think uh, the comedy store are possibly looking at other sure. cities as well. Why wouldn't they? You know? Well, indeed. Brett in Newcastle on Facebook says, John, I saw you a couple of years ago in the North East. Do you still look like a lesbian? Now, I have to know what that's a reference to because yes do, do yeah. explain um yes well i was in a pub in deptford uh, a few years ago with my girlfriend at the time who was actually i can i consider more butch than me and probably still is um and we were sitting talking and two um had what's the politically correct uh, skirt lifters came over and sat with us and i kept my mouth shut because i could see what was going on they start to talk to my girlfriend like oh hello what do you do she said oh yes well i'm a student student politics and doing all that nonsense 
And then one of them said to me, what do you do? And I said, well, I'm a teacher. And it was a beautiful moment where she looked and went, my God, it's a bloke. <laughs> and it was, it was one of those lovely moments. And then they had to like carry on as normal, as if they'd oh. absolutely completely known that I was a bloke the whole time. Brilliant. So, yes, the Duke, it, there was the name of the pub on Creek Road in Deptford. Yeah. Yep. And you did used to use that in your act as well, didn't yeah, you? No, you used, I, to, used yeah. to walk on stage and say, my name's John and I'm not a lesbian. Yeah, I, well, I used to say, uh, like the one that I did at the Halifax Comedy Festival in Canada a couple of years ago uh, was... Um, Good evening, I'm John Maloney. Or is somebody thinking, oh my God, Katie Lang's let herself go? <laughs> Which, of course, works beautifully in Canada. Because, yeah. And also, I had like a spotty shirt on, and I had the short back and sides, and I had like fairly baggy <laughs> jeans on. And it got a 42 second laugh. Super. Because they sent me this. They said, we've never, ever had like. But I when mean, you wrote that, did yeah. you just, was, that like a, was that a last minute thought? It was the Katie Lang thing. I thought, well, I'm in, I'm in Canada, so here we go. Why yeah. not? Um, I know some comics consider it a little bit cheap to do a, a cheap lookalike gag when you walk on stage, but you know what? It settles an audience down. A lot of people do that. I wish I wish I could be slightly more sort of uh, chin rubby about it, a bit more yeah, beard yeah. scratchy. But I just think you've got four hundred people there who don't really care about you. If you can hit them, <laughs> if you can win one nil in the first five seconds, or at least go one goal up. And that was a forty-two second laugh. Yeah, you know, that is actually on YouTube somewhere. I think. I believe it is. Yeah, it is on there. Neil in Seven Oaks on Twitter says, uh, "John, love your work, but how's your cat, Edward?" Well, he's, he's, he's okay, although he's actually through his, he's into his second bout of self-harming now. Because he got through the first... Got a self-harming cat, you yeah. should tell everybody. Yeah, yeah basically, because yeah. um, what had happened was an alpha male cat has moved in the area, and Edward no longer has his clock weights. So in terms of the, of the pecking order, this cat's moved in, giving it all that, do you want to buy a second-hand flange, to all the sort of like other cats, and it's upset the pecking order. So Edward is self-harming. We sorted it out, we put a collar on his head, um, but he's back. He's back onto the self-harming again. So the collar's going back on. Yeah. Going back. On. Yeah, I don't care. What does he do? Does he bite his own tail off? Now, what he's done is that he's bitten some of the fur off his front left paw. Now, and it was my missus who spotted it first, and right. she sort of said that's not right. And I thought, well, so it wasn't you know. a fight. No, right. no, it was, it was. It was. It was a kind of. Maybe he's a kind of goth cat. I'm not sure. You yeah. made a really good point about when you uh, when you go to adopt or uh, whatever you call it, um, mm. a, a cat from the kennels. Yeah. And the authorities come round to check the house out. Yeah, that's right. Well, that happened to me I went to, it's a few years ago. I went down to Battersea to get a used dog. And the fact is that when you come home, the RSPCA are allowed to see if the house is big enough for the dog. And if it isn't, they take the dog away, but they leave you there. <laughs> it's, I know. It's, it's the kind of thing that if you wrote it, people go, that's ridiculous. You go, well, it absolutely isn't. I've, I've filled in more of a kind of census-type form about whether I was suitable to own a dog than you do if you have a bit of slap and tickle and get someone pregnant. That's do you know what I mean? There's, 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 there's no intelligence test for getting someone up the duff, but if you want a dog, <laughs> you've got to sign all these forms. Denny in Nottingham says, How has the comedy club scene changed since you started telling jokes, John? There seems to be more comedy than ever mm-hmm. from pub basements to student bars, and yet I'm always hearing comedians talk about venues closing down. Can you ask the country's busiest stand-up what he <laughs> thinks? Um... So that is true, because I'm yeah. a bit confused by that. Because mm. every time I walk down a road, there's always a pub that says, Comedy, Monday night, come yeah. in here now. Mm. It's two pounds, come and see some people who yeah. are very funny. And you think, well, that's okay, that's very good. And you walk around another corner, and there's another place going down here in the basement. Mm. Comedy, Psst, get in, you bring your mates. But then I keep hearing, well, jonglers, it's gone, it's finished. You know, what, what's the deal with all of this? Well, it's, it's, it's a very difficult thing to actually put my finger on. I, th- I think the, the larger chains, for example, well, there was only one, really, in the UK, jonglers, I think to a certain extent they, they, they overstepped uh, the, their, their ability to run 16, 17, 18 clubs all at once. Um, I mean, they, they did it with the best of intentions to bring comedy to other cities and, and larger towns. But I think w- once you get a, a, a brewery involved where it just becomes about selling beer, 
you lose that one percent of of the art which then can slowly slowly erode and in the end you're, you're just playing to stags and hens and i think jonglers is still in its process of recovery and it will come back and they deserve to come back i mean they've, mm. they've they run a few nights in in nightclubs at the moment which isn't it's, it's not ideal but at least they're still out there bringing comedy to to larger cities because so good I, on them you see i i'm really intrigued by um what, what sort of happened with the world of stand-up comedy i mean there's a, mm. there's a question from nikki in liverpool who says is anything off limits in comedy which we'll come to in a second Blimey. where it where it really intrigues me is there has been a sort of an upsurge through some some programs on tv that uh, there's the michael mcintyre's roadshow live from the apollo which yeah. Uh, often has also Michael McIntyre on it. Yeah, but it would do, yeah. What's, what's interesting is, is that b- between those two, um, it, it's often argued that these two programmes or these two formats have single-handedly, if you like, reignited interest in the world of stand-up comedy. Now, the problem I have with that mm-hmm. is that when people say, oh, yeah, I really like stand-up comedy, yeah, um, that doesn't in itself mean anything. It's like saying, I really like food. Yeah, that's right. It, really it doesn't, like music. Doesn't, yes, it doesn't mean yeah. anything. And what yeah. often people mean is that they've seen uh, somebody like John Bishop, great yeah. as he is, on TV, they've bought the DVD, yeah. and that's what they really mean when they say they like stand-up comedy. But if yeah. you started getting into, uh, if you like, the finer, mm. more esoteric details about stand-up comedy, be yeah. it on the British circuit or particularly the American circuit, most people wouldn't have a clue, and that's fine. You mm. don't have to be an expert. Yeah. But I am intrigued as to where this new interest really lies, because not every comedian feels this resurgence, if you like, because many are saying, actually, I'm not as busy as I was. So you've got people filling out the O2 and doing massive stadia like that for huge amounts of Wonga to thousands of people, but actually quite a lot of other comedians on the other side of the circuit, still incredibly successful, Mm. but not quite as busy. Well, I think that's that's very true. There are comedians who can fill the O2. I mean, Mike McIntyre can fill it, but then so so can Eddie Izzard. Uh, and you can't, you know, one's 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 a comedian, and then the other one's Michael McIntyre. So, uh, and then you've got people like Bill Bailey who can fill the O2, and then you then you've got you know some regional bloke who go, you know, and then so you've, you've got you've got you've got the difference in yeah, the way yeah. that uh, Paul Weller is is a singer, uh, but so I take that. But that doesn't mean that you know that Paul Weller can fill the O2, whereas yeah. Take That can. That's, so true. It's, That's very it, true. It's that it's that kind of yeah. style of comedy that you like. It, it is a little bit suspicious that what what seems to happen, you get something like that. So somebody who's not particularly well known goes on to something like Live at the Apollo. Yeah, they go on, they do ten minutes of material. Yeah. And possibly with, the only ten minutes they've got. Possibly at, the only at ten this minutes they've got in their level or, of experience. Or that's not their fault. Though. No, agreed. Because they, they they might have just started. Yeah. Or they within the ten minutes they've got two minutes of uh, r- real dynamite. Yeah. So there's that two minutes, and then that's remembered. And then from there they would get offered a place on the Jonathan Ross show. Yeah. And they would use the Jonathan Ross show, mm. which may or may not have the same people behind it. You just knew you wouldn't you, know. You, you wouldn't in know. This business. No, be... you know, no way you would know. No. Yeah. It may or may not. Yeah. And then they would probably regurgitate the, the t- two minutes of dynamite yep. on that show. Mm-hmm. But they would also use that show to announce that they're going to be doing the O2. Yeah. Or the NEC or one of those sort of, sort of you know, yeah. huge. And you think, well, actually, how, how on earth could that work? Because one year ago, yeah. you were not a stand-up. Well, one year one ago. One year later, you're filling yeah. 100,000 seaters. That's sort It doesn't matter which way you dress it up. Mm. doesn't matter how good that person may turn out to be. They could be brilliant and invariably are. Yeah. However, there is something a bit weird about that. Nobody well, could carve out a trade that, that speedily. No, but the, the leap, that's the problem, you see, is, is that the leap is too gargantuan. Um, you can, I think, you know, to have, to have the kind of light and shade for an hour and, mm. and 40 minutes in a large, large arena 
uh, takes more than two or three years' experience. Sure. But then there are uh, younger comics who will do something like Live at the Apollo, for example, where they've got a strong seven minutes. And what it, what it manages to do is catapult them out of the clubs that they wouldn't necessarily have survived for very long in the first place, to yeah, be yeah. frank. So they've so they've they've, they've jumped the clubs, so sure. they've gone straight onto the media circle, and they can go in and out of from anything from Jonathan Ross to loose women. It doesn't yeah. really matter what they do, going going gone or whatever, you know. It, it, so it, in in a way, it catapults them out yeah. of a place that they weren't particularly worthy to be in in the first place. What is interesting though, John, is that I still think because you know I've seen you on TV and clubs and yeah. ver- various shows. For a long time, for a yeah. lot of years. Mm. Uh, and I still look at you as one of the new comedians, <laughs> which is kind of weird. But you often, you know, you describe yeah. yourself as a guy who's been around for a little while now. Well, I started when I was 21 and I'm now 46. So that's, that's 25 years uh, on, you know, well. treading the board. But I'm as veteran as people like uh, Bill Bailey or Joe Brand or Sean Locke. I started at the same time as them. Let's just go back then to that point from Nicky in Liverpool. He says, is, is there anything in uh, comedy that's off limits? And, you know, I've seen an awful lot of comedy, uh, as, as you have too, obviously being a comedian, yeah, yeah. You're, you're surrounded by. Um, and I, I'm I sort- still love watching it, though. Don't, don't get me wrong. I've seen some great young comics yeah, yeah. recently. I worked with Daniel Sloss recently. Uh, 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 oh, he's uh, interesting. A Scottish guy, comic. Yeah, he's only and, about, no, he's literally 19. Yeah, he? yeah, yeah. No, he's, um, and he's, he's lovely. He stays with me when he's in London anyway. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, sort of, I'm, a, I'm a little bit in loco parentis when he stays. Sure. His mum sends me a message a couple of days later. Is he all right? Yeah, Thank you for looking after Daniel. Because you know, <laughs> when he gets to my place, I always Fantastic. have a kebab ready for him with no salad. Nothing wrong with that. Absolutely. Nothing wrong with we that. Know no about sa- that. We know No salad that. at all. But it is interesting. When you look at people, I mean, if you think about the obvious uh, candidates, maybe like Jerry Sadovich. I mean, did you ever work with Jerry? I did. I've worked with him on many bills, and I've been to see him in his solo shows. I just think the guy is stunning. He's incredibly funny. But he can't really get a gig in... uh, You can't stick his name on certain posters in certain places. Some places won't hire him. He certainly won't be on TV. He's incredible. He's yeah. really good. He's a, firstly, he's a great magician. Oh, it's unbelievable. An incredible magician, but yeah. he's also just very bloody funny. Yeah. And also, what people don't know about him particularly, one of the most sensitive, nice blokes you'd ever meet. I, I went to see his show uh, Christmas Before Last. Uh, I think it was the Soho Theatre or one of those theatres in yep. London. And I, I didn't say I was coming along, but afterwards I was in the barn, he was leaving. And he almost was like... Mike, you come, you come to see my show. You come to see my show. Oh, of course, I have. You're, you're yeah, a genius. Yeah, yeah. And he can't. The one thing he can't take is praise. Because I brought a couple of mates with me to yeah. say, "You've got to see Sadovitz." And afterwards, my two mates were going, "Wow!" to him, and he's like, "No, no, 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 no. It's it's, it's all shade. It's all shade." They go, "No, it's not. It's genius." <laughs> and the great thing about him, you could libel him like as much as you wanted now, because there's no way he would, because he says so many terrible things. Yeah. About- we could say anything we wanted about, but we yeah. we, we, we yeah. clearly wouldn't. Yeah. But it's interesting that he will touch in areas that some would regard as a bit sensitive. Yeah, I've heard you know people do everything from uh, you know kidnap based material mm-hmm. of a topical nature, shall we say? Yeah, to death based material of mm. a topical nature. Mm. Uh, th- Depending on who the, I don't know, depending on, you know, like Michael Jackson seems fair game for some reason. That's okay. Yeah. The lad from Boy Zone wouldn't be fair game. Mm. So if you, if you want to divide it up in, the, yeah. in that respect. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think the, the beauty of the anger of a joke is in the eyes of, is, is, in the, is in the use of the beholder. And somebody like Jerry can just say something so absolutely and completely outrageous sure. and throw it away in such a fashion that it's just so absurd. So absurdly awful, if you like. Yeah. Whereas someone like Frankie Boyle, who, again, I, I, I know as a bloke, and he's, he seems a nice enough bloke, there seems to be a different tenor of malevolence in it. I don't know if it's just his pacing. Maybe it's his pacing yeah. which, which makes it slightly less 
tasteful, as it were, although it's quite they're, they're quite tasteless subjects in the first place. But the way Sadowitz <laughs> does it, it's it's almost like he's just thrown away a trick. It's amazing, you know. It's like that lovely line about Nelson Mandela about you know, you, you, I was on one of the one of those kind of very liberal comedy clubs, and and he comes on stage and says, Nelson Mandela, what a c word. You lend somebody a tenner and you don't see him for thirty years. I mean, it's just a beautiful. <laughs> This is in a club where people are almost screaming <laughs> at him. Just to open with Nelson Mandela, what a... It's just... <laughs> you know what I mean? That's, that's how it's done, you know. Uh, listen, are you ready, John, for a bit of, um, a bit of Court of Collins? Do you of fancy, course. Do you fancy some of that sitting Naturally. in some judgment? Naturally. Some guilty or not guilty. Uh, John Maloney is with us. And also Sideshow Kev's popping in. Now, here it is again. It's called the Court of Collins. It's a chance for our guests to, well, kind of prosecute or defend, if you like, to find guilty or not guilty, forgive or forget a misdemeanour. They are, of course, sending from our global listener base, which, of course, is growing by the million on a weekly basis, we should add. Ah! These, <laughs> these are people who are happy to admit to a crime. Not a terrible crime, not an act of arson or murder or interfering with dolphins or something like that, but a minor moment of miscreant-based madness. You know the kind of thing where you lost your moral compass. You sort of strayed, albeit for a little while, momentarily off the track. But will our guests find it within them to find our subject guilty or not guilty? We have Mr John Maloney. John Maloney! Yes, here I am, judge and jury. We have Sideshow Kev. Hi. Paul in Liverpool says, I once pretended to be a psychic gypsy and set about predicting a man's death after an argument in a car park. I was about to park my car in Sainsbury's when suddenly, and I promise out of nowhere, some arse clown in a maestro suddenly shot into the very space I was actually reversing into. There is no way he would not have seen me, and he was also driving the wrong way down the lane in order to nick my space. We've all seen mm-hmm. those kind yep, of characters. Know it. I was fuming, says Paul. It was the sheer blatancy of what he did that caused me most annoyance. I leapt out of the car to see the oldest man I have ever seen in my life sitting pleased and proud in his newly found parking space. I signalled him to open the window, which he did. I was ready for this. You've just blatantly nicked my space, I said. I was reversing in there. He looked at me, gave me a sarcastic smile and just said, piss off. I couldn't believe it. My anger levels went through the roof, through the stratosphere. I've no idea where this next bit came from, but it seemed to work a treat. I took a very deep breath. I looked around me, leant right into his window, and I remember word for word what I said. This time he was paying attention. I said, I, sir, am a genuine Irish gypsy. I have the power to cause you many problems. I'm from the famous MacReady family, and if you don't move your car now, I will curse you. You will die within seven days. I promise. Now move! I couldn't believe it. I thought the old man was going to cry. He looked utterly petrified, fired up his engine immediately. As he began to drive off, I swear the tears began. He simply shouted, Please don't do that, please! I instantly felt dreadful. I should add that I have no psychic powers, no gypsy connections, and I have no idea who the MacReady family are. And I would never have done this had he not been so rude. It did, however, do the trick, and I got my parking space. The question is, am I guilty or not guilty of being a bad John Maloney? Well, I think he's, he's guilty, but only for using the name MacReady, because that's the name uh, of Edie MacReady from uh, Balamori. And, <laughs> and, if, right? and if, if, if I'd heard Edie MacReady, and obviously this old yeah. bloke wouldn't probably have grandchildren, and he's sat and watched Balamori, 
I think uh. I, I think he would have thought, no, that ain't right. We got, you know, what's the story in Balamori? Wouldn't you like to know? So I Not think... too much of that, John. We have to pay every time you do that. Oh, do you really? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so if I sing the rest of what I'm doing, I can claim that it's a song, so it's my own copyright. So you haven't got time for this, have you? Stop so, it. Yeah, so what, so what, what, why are you watching Balamori? Because uh, he's seen me kid, you see. I think he's... I think he's... I think he's guilty. Because he's made, a, think so? he's made an old man very upset about something, and for but the next on. seven days... No, 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 not having that. Oh, it was seven days of torpor. You've been old man... Old well, man. actually, being an old bloke, he's probably forgotten in about 20 minutes anyway. <laughs> That's very true. Did I say that? But nicking... nicking th- th- you see, I've seen the old folk do this in the car park. The elderly person in small car club will deliberately turn up at a car park, and they know that all they've got to do is just feign, essentially, insanity. Yeah. So whatever you throw at them, they go, you know, I didn't hear you, I can't hear you, I don't know what's going on. I do, oh, no, what, what, oh, no, just move on. And but, they'll, they'll move. seven days of upset, you see. So oh. that's, that's what concerns me, is that maybe if this old chap might have had a heart condition or you something. You think so? You see, I hope that isn't the case. I mean, I like what he's done. It's, it's very okay. imaginative, but I do feel... If I'd done it, I'd feel quite guilty about it. So there we are. But I'm, so you're finding I, him guilty? It's the Irish Catholic in me. I'm just... Everything Nothing I'm, wrong with I'm, that. Everything I'm guilty about. Kev? Your Honour. Guilty or not guilty? You look nice today. Thank you, love. Is that a new wig? Shut up. This is an old man. He's not got long. He's got less time than everyone else, so he's probably rushing along a little bit. Yeah. So you've got to give him a little bit of space and sort of say, well, I realise I've got far more time in front of me than he has. He's got far more that he can look back on than the other guy. Okay. So, yeah, guilty. Guilty, guilty, guilty. 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 So that's two guilties. Yep, guilty, guilty. You're going down, brother Flogging. McCready, Paul in Liverpool. Whoever you are, you evil man. Brilliant. John Maloney, thank yes. you, sir. My pleasure. Uh, John, of course, if you just a swift Google search of John Maloney, will show you that he's um, mm. around all over Knocking the place. Knocking about, yeah. All over the place. And, you will... uh, and very quickly, I've got something I'd like to tell you about, if it gives us yes. in this. Uh, the Ballam International Comedy Festival. Yes. The Ballam International Comedy Festival! Ballam International! The first weekend of July. We have some fairly serious names coming along to Who do it. Are? But I'll tell you more about it when, when hopefully I can come back and see you again. Fact, please do. That, everybody, is John Maloney! John Maloney! Credit stream. Well, what about that? There you go. That is the end of episode four of Ian Collins' Once a Word. Thank you, everybody, for downloading. Thanks to all of our guests. All can be followed on Twitter. The in-show feature and sponsor music is by Kevin McLeod. You can find him at incompetech.com. The show's technical operator was Andre Porch. Programme was edited by Manny Kendall. Our researcher was Leslie Stannard. The director of frequency modulation was Martin Campbell. And the catering was provided by Abdul's Coffee Shack. And your Everest task for this week is to tell absolutely everybody who lives in your road to download this podcast. If you do, you get a free cake. I'm Ian Collins, and we're back next week with another top-notch, all-singing, all-dancing Ian Collins. Collins wants a word. Goodbye. A Big Things Media Production. Big Things! Ian Collins wants a word. Powered by Mitsubishi. Don't get caught out this winter.